welcome to New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Well, I'm Pastor Ben. It's my privilege to share God's word with you as we continue through our sermon series, The Way Home. But as we start, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about the art of story, right? The truth is this, if you want to write a good story, if you want to give a good story, tell a good story, the truth is a good story requires a great beginning. Right, a good story, it requires a great beginning. Because without a great beginning, we will not get to the rest of the story, right? We won't get to the heart of the story. Especially in our modern day. Think about it, right? Right now, in our world, with the simple click of a button, you can have access to any TV program you want from all time. You can have access to any movie basically ever produced. You can have access to any book ever written by simply pulling out your phone, pulling your computer and going, click. Which means if the book you're starting, the TV show you're starting, the movie you're starting, maybe even the game you're watching, right? If it doesn't have a good beginning, you're gonna go in a different direction, right? Because there's other books, there's other TV shows, there's other movies that you know. They have good beginnings, they have good middles and they have good ends and you're gonna go in that direction. See, sometimes we get caught up in this, right? I I get caught up in this. I pop on a TV show or I pop in a movie and it doesn't quite have a great beginning and so I shut it off, I go in a different direction. Or oftentimes what happens is it just becomes background noise, right? I'll turn on a movie and all of a sudden I'm fiddling with my phone, I'm texting somebody, I'm on my computer maybe getting some last second work in or I'm talking to my wife or playing with my kids or maybe my dog jumps up and brings me the tennis ball so now I'm playing catch with my dog, right? And before I know it, guess what happens? The credits are rolling down on the movie. You've probably done this before. And you realize you managed to watch an entire movie and not get the story at all. Because without a great beginning that captures our hearts and our minds, we will never get to the heart of the story. So I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that you are one of the gospel writers. And so your goal is to get us to the cross, to the story of Jesus. But you know, without a great beginning, people will stop reading, right? They will never get to the heart of the story. So how do you begin writing the most important piece of history, right? How do you begin the most important story ever told? Well, as we began our sermon series, we actually looked at that, didn't we? Right, last week we looked into the book of Matthew, the first chapter, the beginning of his story, and we see how Matthew navigated that difficulty. He went through his genealogy. Well, not his genealogy, but the genealogy of Christ. 
right? He worked all the way from Abraham through the generation, generation to generation, generation, all the way to Bethlehem, all the way to Jesus. And we see all the complexity, all the interesting family dynamics, the good and the bad, the relatives we celebrate and the relatives we want to hide under the rug. We see it all playing out in Christ's life. And all this is a magnetic tool to get us connected to the story of Christ. Now, if we flip through the pages, we go to our next gospel, which is the gospel of Mark. And Mark begins his story very differently. He starts actually with the baptism of Christ, which is such an interesting piece of scripture because the sinless one, right, the only person who has never sinned goes into the waters of baptism. And he associates with all of us who have been baptized and all of us who will be baptized, right? Sinful people washing our sins away. And we associate with Christ in the waters of baptism. And that's how Mark begins his story, which launches into Christ's ministry. Well, as we keep flipping through the Bible, we get to the book of Luke. And the, and the book of Luke is a very familiar section of scripture, right? It's a very familiar book when it comes to the Christmas story. Because Luke had a very distinct purpose. He wanted all the details, right? He wanted to pen them all. And so that's where we get most of our Christmas story from is through the writings of Luke because he wrote all those nitty-gritty details that most people wouldn't care about, but Luke knew they were important. So you'd expect Luke to start with Christ's story, but he actually does something different. He doesn't start with the birth of Christ. He actually starts with the birth of John the Baptist, which leads us to Christ because that was John's purpose. Even when John grew up and he became a man, the point of John the Baptist was to point people to Jesus. His primary message was this, repent for the kingdom of God is near, right? The king is coming. And then when Jesus showed up, he said, repent because the king is right there. John's purpose was to prepare us for Christ. And so as Luke writes his message, he writes with John. He starts with John to prepare us for the birth of Christ. Well, today we're going to look at the gospel of John. And every gospel writer has a unique way of starting this story has a unique way of catching our attention and grabbing our hearts and grabbing our minds to prepare us for the story of Christ. This is how John begins. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So as John begins his piece of history, his story starts in the beginning, right? Which seems like an appropriate way to start a story, right? In the beginning, in the beginning of the story. Because as we look back in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, that's how that story begins, right? You guys all remember it? Because that's how many of us, how far we get through our reading plans for the year, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, and we were kind of like, I'm done. But we, we get there, right? That's how the story begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? It's the story, the beginning of mankind. So we would think this is what John would do, right? We would think he would say, in the beginning of Christ's story, in the beginning, Christ was born, but that's not what he says, is it? He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You see, John didn't start with the beginning of Christ's life and he didn't start with the beginning of mankind. He started from the beginning, beginning, right? The beginning of all things. But what John isn't implying here is that God was somehow blown into existence or that God had a beginning. No, what he's saying is that God is the eternal one. He doesn't have a beginning, right? He's the uncaused cause of all things, right? He's the necessary component 
for us to exist. He's a necessary component for any creation, right? There had to be something that always existed, and that was God. And then he gets into details, and he starts talking about the Word, which is confusing to us because when we think about the Word, we tend to think about the Bible, right? We, we call it the Word of God. We use the word Scripture sometimes. But we tend to think of the Word, capital W, as our Bibles, but that's not what John is saying. He's not saying that God existed for all time and your Bible existed for all time and he just kind of threw it down on the earth at some point in time. That's not what he's saying. Look at it. He says, the word was God and the word was with God. Now, there's some complexity in our faith, some good complexity in our faith because we worship an infinite God with finite minds, which means there will be complexity when it comes to our God and this is a good thing. Because if we understood all the complexity about God, it means that we probably created a God in our own image. And there's this part of our faith that's very complex, it's called the Trinity. And it's taught to us through scripture that there's one God in three persons. One God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So when it says the word was God and the word was with God, it's, it's implying that one of those personhoods of God is the word. Now I'm gonna save you the time of all the research that we'd have to do to un uncover all this and just tell you this. John's purpose is to talk about Jesus. So the word we're talking about, when he says the word, he's talking about Jesus. He's beginning Christ's story. And this is what else he tells us. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and without him, not one thing came into being. Once again, John is talking about the beginning, the beginning, right? Before all things, before the earth, before all this, before us, there was Jesus, which tells us something pretty important, that Jesus didn't come into existence later, right? It also shows that, that Bethlehem was not Christ's hometown, nor was Nazareth. Christ's home was in heaven, and it was from his throne that he thought you up and he thought this world up and he spoke it into existence, right? He created this, which says something about our creation, which says something about you. It means that we were created by somebody who thought us up, which means we have inherent value. Every one of you has value and every one of you has a purpose because you were created with a point. Jesus, the one who has always existed, created you, thought of you, designed you, and loves you. Well, John goes on. What has come into being in him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. So it goes on and continues talking about Jesus, how Jesus is the life and Jesus is the light. And we begin to see the story of Christ, right? He's sitting on his throne. He creates you. He designs you. And then he wants to be with you. So he's born of a virgin, right? He takes on human flesh, God with us. And then he lives out his life. He lives out his ministry. He teaches so many things. And then he goes to the cross for our sins. And he dies. But we're told something. We're told something significant in John's writing here. It says the darkness will not overcome 
which means Christ's pursuit of us, his goal to be reconciled to us, to be in relationship with us, that it will not be snuffed out. No matter how dark this world is, that will not be snuffed out. Christ will continue to pursue you. The only thing that will stop his pursuit is if you say, I want nothing to do with you. I want nothing to do with the Holy Spirit's calling. Well, John continues to work through this section. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. So John makes this abrupt pivot, right? He spent all this time, he's talking about the word, he's talking about Jesus over and over and over again, telling us all these amazing things about Jesus, setting the stage for Christ's story. But all of a sudden he shifts to a guy named John. Now he's not talking about himself. The writer of this book is John the disciple. He's talking about John the Baptist, right? The one who came to prepare the way for Jesus. Now, why would he do this? Seems like a strange strategy, just abruptly stop and go in this direction and avoid the main topic, which is Jesus. Well, see, John knew something. He knew what Matthew knew. He knew that all things point to Jesus. All things point to Jesus. The point of all things is to point to Jesus. So when we look through the genealogy last week of Matthew, we see story after story, generation after generation, and all these things built into the prophecies and the judges and the kings and the temple and the priest and the sacrifices. All those things, the point of all those things was to point to Jesus. And when John points to John the Baptist, the point of John the Baptist was to point to Jesus, right? Repent. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. The king is right there, right? The king is coming. You better be ready. That was John's point. But even today, the point of all things is to point to Jesus. And this is where we take up the mantle, right? How we live and how we act and how we talk. The point of all things is to point to Jesus. Well, John continues. The true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. And this is the Christmas story. Right? God, enthroned on heaven, creates the world, and then he wants to be with his world. Now, why would he do this? We actually saw this last week in the story of Ruth, didn't we? Right? The story of Ruth, if you remember, she was a Moabite woman. Her husband dies. She stays with her mother-in-law. Her name is Naomi. Naomi was a Hebrew lady. Her home was Bethlehem. And she invites Ruth to go with her, but there's a problem. Ruth, as a Moabite, is not going to be well accepted in this, in this context, in this culture. She's going to have a horrible life. So Naomi tries to push her away and says, I don't want you to come with me. And Ruth says, I'm coming with you anyways. The reason Ruth does this is because her home is with Naomi because her heart is with Naomi. In the very same way, Jesus' better home is heaven. But he came to here. He came to earth. Why? Because this is where his heart was. So this is where his home was. So Jesus makes his way to us because his goal is to reconcile us to himself. Well, John moves on. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. And this is amazing. 
right? Just as the section, the section before implies is that the creator shows up and the creation doesn't even know him, doesn't recognize him. But what's even more amazing is that when Jesus showed up, he'd been preparing a certain people, right? The Jewish people, they had the prophets and they had the judges and they had the temple, they had all these things. The point of these things were to point to Jesus. So when Jesus is born into Bethlehem, he fulfills all these prophecies. As he lives his life, he fulfills more prophecies. The very people that God had been preparing to notice when God shows up, they don't notice, do they? In fact, not only do they not notice, but they reject him. They turn against his teaching. And ultimately, they put him on a cross. And it's really easy for us to be critical of the Jewish people in that time frame, right? We read the story, we know the story of Jesus, and we think, how could you do this? How could you end up putting him on the cross? How could you reject him? But the truth is, they're not any different than us. Why? We reject Christ's teaching day in and day out. We read the Bible, we don't want to like that section, we turn a blind eye to it, right? We get into a Christian conversation and forget we had ever had it. We don't experience the transformation that God has. Sometimes we just outright reject God. We do the same thing. The human experience over and over again is to reject the very creator who made us when he shows up in our lives. But John says there's a better way. In fact, this is how he closes. He says this, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of flesh or of the will of man, but of God. You see, the better way is not to reject Christ and his teachings and his relationship that he wants to have with us. Right? The better way is to receive him, not hold him at arm's length. And this is the story of the entire Bible. From the creation story from Genesis all the way to the end, it's Christ's story of his pursuit for us that he wants to be reconciled to us and connected with us. He wants us to be part of the family. And we think about Christmas. Where does the family go for Christmas? They go home. So John begins his story by talking about the great lengths and the amazing love that Jesus has for you that he would make his home that was in heaven down with us to connect with us. And John uses this magnetic idea to get us to the heart of the story. Because as we think about how important a great beginning is to capture our hearts and minds, you know what's even more important for a writer, for a storyteller? To start with the end in mind. And for John, he had one specific point and purpose. He wanted you to know where your true home was and he wanted you to know how to get there. So during this Christmas season, as business happens and, and we want to get to our family and maybe we can't get to our family, I want you to hold on to this truth and hold on to this promise that we have through Jesus Christ. That our home, our true home, it's waiting for us. And may that truth get you through every difficult time. Amen. Amen.